All right. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Beyond the Arc podcast. We have a special episode today. We have Sam Yip from Hoops Hype. Sam, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing good, Matthew. How are you doing? Pretty good. Sam, like we were just talking about, you just got back from covering the Team USA basketball camp in Vegas. You were out there for a couple of days, got to talk to a couple of players. So we just want to ask you a couple of questions about that. So yeah, just like how overall was your experience covering the Team USA basketball camp? It was good in terms of it was really good for us. It's probably the place where you want to be if you want to get NBA players. It's probably the best access for any NBA player because it's like it's like when they're done shooting or whatnot, you get like 30 minutes after every practice and then you can just go up to any player and start just asking them questions. And if there's no other media people around, you can get a good one-on-one with them. So that's pretty good in terms of the experience. It's definitely good for, especially in this time of the year, an NBA content is kind of dry. If you are covering like an NBA, maybe like even for teams, like it, it's a good place to go because a lot of times, it, a lot right now, there's a dead season of NBA. There's not a lot of content out there. So if you're trying to crank out content, it's like a good place to go. And I mean, they, and just talk, going over the team and how they did, we only saw maybe the last portions of every day. So I know day two and day three, they had the select team. That was a big deal in terms of the players, Kate Cunningham, Chet Holmgren, Jalen Williams, they were on the select team. They beat the national team on their day two. I wouldn't read too much into that because I was there in 2019 and same thing happened. It actually happened day two, day three, because for this time around, it was just day two, day three. The national team came back and they beat them in both scrimmages that we were allowed to see. But in back in 2019, when I was actually covering them for USA Basketball, I got to see portions of practices that weren't available to the media. And they trained in both Vegas and LA and the select team was beating them in both places. This, I would say this time around, this team here is a lot better than 2019 in terms of just the chemistry and stuff. 2019, they had, they weren't bad players. They had Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, but that was right on the cusp before they became what they were. And I think a lot of the times it's, you hear a lot of, if you follow this national team, so over the years, Team USA, a lot of players go do that experience in the summer and they come back, they, they take that next leap in the NBA. So it's definitely something to watch for when you, when you guys head into next season, just look at who's playing this national team. And a lot of times that they do get that bump up they, in terms of improvement and stuff. Definitely something to keep an eye on. Yeah, going back to how the select team, I feel like it's the thing that always pops up. Like you said, 2019, even with the dream team, there was like the story where like the select team, they had that and I was scrimmaging them. They beat like the team USA dream team. Do you have any theory on like why that is? Maybe like how come the select team, like even though they might not be the most experienced team, like how are they able to like come in these scrimmages and just be a team that, you know, has a little more experience, maybe a little more talent than them? I think a lot of it, it goes into this national team Right now, when they when we were allowed to see them, they only have a day or two practicing together. And a lot of these guys are very ball dominant. It's the same with the dream team, right? A lot of these guys are ball dominant. They're not used to swing the ball with side to side action like that. So a lot of that has to just to do with the camaraderie and chemistry, trying to get to know each other's game. And then you look at these the select teams and the team back in the day against the dream team. A lot of these teams come in having not they have nothing to lose, right? They're expected to lose or they have a chip on their shoulder. So they're there's no nerve they're not nervous or anything. They just go in like, all right, let's see what we can do against see how we match up against these guys. It, it's like a 
and, and using for such a small sample size that you can't really take too much of it as a great, you got to take it as a grain of salt. It's not that, it's, it, honestly, it's not that big a deal, but I think in the summertime, especially right now, there's, there's really nothing going on. So it's a good storyline, right? Oh, select team beat the national team. So it's something to keep in mind when you, this, this isn't going to, it's going to keep happening too. And, and especially nowadays, you know, the three point shot, right? The variance, variance is going to go very high. Like you make two or three of them and you could be like a, on a team with a lot less talent, but you could be in the game right there. You could be right there with them. And you know, these scrimmages are only 10 minutes long. You're just, they beat them in two scrimmages and that's just two sets of 10 minute games. So there's really, I wouldn't take too much into it. Yeah, at the end of the day, these guys are all NBA players. They're all supremely talented any day, especially in that small sample, like you were saying. Like, anyone can come in and win. But I think with the select team, though, one of the big standouts was Cade Cunningham. This year was a lost year for him, just injury-wise. He was out most of the year. He came back in, and then the, some, the scrimmages were on YouTube, like the full scrimmages. So I watched a little bit of it, and he looked really good with the ball in his hands, stuff like that. What was kind of your impression of him during the camp? I mean, he... Just the way he plays, he should be on a team. I think team, even team, U, I forgot who on team USA, the staff said, yeah, we were actually considering him on a team, but I think he turned it down because he wanted the time to get back into game shape for next season. He didn't want to get thrown into the fire overseas and the competition. I think he's going to have a good year. I mean, he thought he was going to have a good year last year, but he got hurt unfortunately, and that kind of messed his year up. I think he's going to be that piece that the Pistons desperately need to just go back into relevancy because they haven't been relevant in a while and he definitely has that Luca thing to his game where he's, he's like a big point guard he can see a lot of things that a lot of small point guards can't see his vision is right there he can shoot he can drive he can get to the rim wherever whenever he wants he's going to be a good and you think about it what you're watching too those are FIBA rules I don't know if you noticed but FIBA is a lot more physical the NBA is you get calls left and right the FIBA game it's a lot more He's a lot more bent. It reminds me of the NBA in the 2000, early 2010s to 2000s when there was a lot more like, a lot more physicality to the game. He's already doing good things here during FIBA, so I'm pretty sure he's going to be fine. As long as he stays healthy, he's going to be fine for the Pistons. He's definitely going to be in a conversation for most improves and everything like that. Yeah, and the thing with FIBA too, there's no defensive three seconds, so the paint is going to be a lot more clogged. He was still getting to the paint getting lobs to Jalen Duran, getting to the spots in the mid-range, all that, even with more, like you're saying, more, I guess, 2000s-type spacing and rules. Not spacing-wise, but just rules-wise with the defensive three-second, stuff like that. You did a couple different player interviews at at the USA Basketball Camp. We can start, I guess, with Anthony Edwards. Me, myself, I'm big. I like the Timberwolves. I've followed them the past two years. But you had a conversation with them. How did that go for you, that conversation with Anthony Edwards? It was good. I think we talked for maybe four or five minutes. He, this was after day three. So they had just beat the select team and he played, he, he played good every day. So he's during the games, like he's one of the guys that they're going to desperate, they're going to need to be there for them if they're going to have a chance to win this tournament. He overall, the interview was pretty, it was all right. He wasn't too talkative. It was just, maybe he was just tired right out. It was literally right after he, he was shooting. It was his birthday too, but I got some good like sound bites. I know in the interview, he he's, he's like a quote machine. He's a funny guy. He said a lot of funny things. And I, this wasn't in the article, but I asked him like, "Oh, what was your like favorite Rudy moment of the year?" 
Uh, honestly, he says Rudy's his, his friend. I can't tell if he actually likes him or not. <laughs> I think he's just saying all this stuff just to didn't want to make him call a big stir in the media. And, and I asked him like, "Oh, what was your favorite Rudy moment this year?" And he looked at me. He's like, he thought about it for a second. He's like, "Oh yeah, you know how he, you know how Rudy walks. He had that kind of that strut with him when he walks. He's like, that's like he said." That's the funniest thing that he sees Rudy this year. I'm sure he has a lot more, but he didn't tell me or anything. Yeah, that's pretty funny. He is right, though. He, Rudy Gobert does have a little bit of an interesting walk. But I guess when you're that tall, that long of arm, that's what's gonna, that's what's gonna happen. Yeah, yeah. So obviously, he, like you said, he's gonna be one of the key players for this team. Correct me if I'm wrong. It doesn't seem like he's the guy though. That's he's not always dominating the ball. He's more just like in the in certain moments. There's, he just turns it on. Like he'll get to the basket. Just like that. And that you've seen that in the past the past few exhibition games they have. It's not like the whole time he's dominating. It's just like there's spurts of it where he just comes up and he'll dominate. And it felt like that last year too with the Wolves. There were kind of moments like that where he didn't necessarily dominate the entire game, but just out of nowhere, he would go for explosion, maybe make a play defensively, get on transition, dunk, come down, hit a step back three, something like that. How do you think his season's gonna go next year? This being his fourth season. He's just going to keep going, taking a step up. He, I think he was at 23 points this past year. I think every year that he's been in the league, he's up that two to three points a year. I think he's going to probably get over 25 for sure. He's going to be like, to me, within three years, he's probably going to be like a top three player in the NBA. I think he has that talent level. Everyone can see it. He has that kind of confidence to him. Like he knows that he could do it. The, thing, the one thing that I, I do wonder is, Something in this environment will probably help him in terms of, like, they need him to be ball dominant at times, but most of the time they want him to be the the guy that keeps the ball moving, find the open man, get the open shot in the corner. So I can determine if they're ever going to start, if they're ever going to struggle offensively, he, you might see him start being more ball dominant if you try to get the offense going. That's usually probably not a good thing in terms of with this team because they have a lot of different guys that can score the ball in different ways. But that's just something to keep an eye on. I think I do remember there was an interview that someone else in the media there had with him last week about he mentioned to them that, yeah, I'm ball dominant. That's what I do kind of thing in terms of I'm just going to keep doing that. Uh, But then even like during practice, like on day one, he wasn't like passing as much and he had a lot of turnovers and just miss, miss like just things that you would see if someone's kind of rusty and stuff. Day two, day three, day four, he picked it up. Day two is every day as it went on, he just got better and better. That probably had to do with someone losing on day two. But I think he's adjusting and he's learning, okay, they don't need, this team doesn't need my offense. Like the Wolves would need me to dominate the ball. But he, I think right now he's picking his spots and he's doing that well in these last couple of exposition games. So he's going to be good next year. That's all I know. <laughs> he's going to, he, after the tournament, he's definitely going to, I forgot, was he, in the, was he an All-Star last year? He was, he was, yeah. But he's going to be another All-Star again this year, on this upcoming year. I do think the Wolves, Wolves shouldn't, they shouldn't be a play-in team anymore. They should be a team that gets into the top six at this point. Yeah. Honestly, last year, they probably should have made the, probably a higher seed in the playoffs. They probably got out of that play-in mix. It's just, they were missing so many guys. Cap missed most of that year. Gobert was in and out the lineup at times. D'Lo a little bit too. So Ann was the one guy who played majority of the games. It was a staple for them. But the surrounding talent around of him wasn't always available just for, for health reasons. And also just with this team too, he's one of the youngest players as well. I'm pretty sure like him, uh, I'm just looking at the roster, right now. him, 
Paulo, just in terms of pure age, I guess Walker Kessler too. But those three, they're all the three youngest guys on the team. And Ant is the one with the, clearly the biggest role that has the most impact on the team. That's a good sign for him. And you also talk to, move on from another player, to, to Austin Reeves. So you talk to Austin Reeves a bit. He's just coming off a pretty strong playoff run with the Lakers. So what did you talk to Austin Reeves about? Just in terms of the team, the, in terms of the FIBA team, I asked him about a lot of his games about drawing fouls and stuff. So I, and he's very good at selling calls too. I think it was a big thing. I think him, when they were playing the Warriors in the playoffs, a lot of Warrior fans were getting pissed off about how he was getting a lot of calls and their team wasn't. But part of the NBA now is the art of drawing the foul, right? Like you got the James Hardens, the Dame Lillards, like they're very good at drawing fouls from the refs. So I asked him about, oh, FIBA is a lot more physical and they're not going to call these things anymore. And then he, he, it was a good question because, you know, that is true. And he pretty much told me like, yeah. So I talked to my brother, Spencer overseas. He plays in a FIBA game all like for his career. And he told him that he's been coaching him the last couple of months. His brother's been coaching Austin the last couple of months about what to do in terms of the, just the physicality of the game. And he pretty much told me that he coached him up. And so a lot of it has to just, he just needs to learn to adapt to the game. And I think a lot of his career wise, like that's what he is. He's known for it. Right? He's just been adapting his whole career in terms of whatever circumstances are in front of him. He went to the Lakers as a two-way guy. He literally told every team that one of you draft them, don't draft me because I will, I want to pick my destination. Went to the team as a, I didn't even get, he got like a two-way the middle of the summer league, I think that year when he joined the Lakers and then made his way, like he had a, I think he had a game winner that summer league. And then he went in the first year he was with the Lakers, he was picking his spots too, because they had rest broke. So he really never really had the ball as I was saying earlier about adapting, just figuring it out. And then you look at his development this year, like all the way up to the playoffs, like it was a drastic improvement, even just in the playoffs, like it was, the Lakers re realized that what they had in him, they made him like the third guy in terms of as a ball handler. And then you see now the USA basketball team, he's, he's their secondary ball handler when he's on the court, comes off the bench. But he, every game he's played in so far, he's provided them very good minutes. It's like with what he's doing with the Lakers. So it's kind of, I think a lot of, I think he's shutting up a lot of like Laker haters, I would say, you know, like, the, oh, he played for Lakers. So he gets a lot more like praise and like attention and stuff. But you look at him, you look at him playing on the national stage now, like you can see, like he's actually a very good player. And he's, he was telling me he was very, he's looking forward to the Lakers season next year. He told me this is our opportunity for him to get the ball, get a month's head of schedule in terms of getting in shape, getting ready for the season. That's, yeah, I'm, he's definitely going to be, I'm not sure if he'll be like an all star level already this next, he'll be there in a, within the next couple of years, I think. But the Lakers have a good, something good with him for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't really thought about Austin Reeves in terms of like that all-star, him being an all-star in the future. But I mean, if you look at the his peers on this team, all of these guys pretty much are going to be all-stars, have been all-stars, maybe outside of a few guys. But for the most part, like a lot of these guys have been all-star level players. How did he just reflect on his journey going undrafted, even though, you know, it was kind of scripted by him. He wanted to be undrafted, not being a super heralded prospect. Play, he played four years of college basketball, I'm pretty sure. I'm, he, is that correct? He's on the older side. He's like 20, he, I think 25. I believe yeah. he was at, he Oklahoma. transferred, right? Yeah, he transferred. He was he at Oklahoma. I know he finished at Oklahoma. And he went to Oklahoma, yeah. Yeah, he sometimes takes players 
years in college just to be a, and he's on the older side too, right? He's 25 he's right 25 now. 25 right now, yeah. The national team. Some guys in the NBA, they need that extra. They're not like one and done. Some of these guys take a little longer. Right? A lot of them just hope to get to that role player status, but he's already at that status already. He's actually capable of getting to that next level of just being like an option, like a top three option on a contending team. So that's a big difference from what he is. I think a lot of it has to do with his confidence, honestly. I remember his rookie year last year, he hit that game winner against the Mavericks in the corner. I don't know if you remember that. I think that was a big moment for him. He realized like he, he can stay in this league, he can play. And then from that moment on, like whenever he's in the game, he's a positive impact. I think the last season for the Lakers, like they had a pretty bad season with all the injuries and stuff, but he was like the one constant good thing they had in that whole year. It, you got to give props to Joey. I believe it was Joey Buzz that is their scouting director. He's got a lot of, he's got Jordan Clarkson, Jordan, Josh Hart with the 30th pick. Undrafted guys like Austin Reeves. You got that Castleton guy coming in. He had a good summer league. I'm not sure how it would do an actual NBA player, but they just find things that, you know, a, a lot of these contending teams, they they don't have the opportunity to draft high, right? So they just trade their pick. So they don't even get that opportunity. But the Lakers somehow always make something out of nothing in terms of drafting guys, not even drafting guys, but molding younger players that they get undrafted or get from other teams and just making them to impact players on their rotation. Yeah, it's funny how that works for the Lakers because on the margins, they always make such good acquisitions, whether it be trades or it's like smaller trades, like signings, rookies, stuff like that. But in terms of the big picture moves, like the Russell Westbrook trade, like that, that was awful. Yeah. Even the Anthony Davis, you could argue that they overpaid. On the margins, there's all, they're always, it seems like they're always making winning plays on that side. So that's just like an interesting dynamic with how just Lakers like front office kind of works. I also want to talk a little bit about the Thunder because they had two representatives on the select team. And I think a lot of people are excited to watch what that team can do next year. Obviously with Shea, you know, Shea's playing for, for Canada, but with Jalen Williams from Santa Clara and Chet Holmgren. So what did you see out of them that you might've liked? I think it was just good to see Chet back in the basketball, like basketball shape, because he didn't play last year, all last year. He had a fractured foot. He, I, don't, I don't know. You saw, I think you saw some clips of him. Like he looked good. He was hitting three, hitting open threes, blocking shots, changing shots around the rim. He's doing things that people know of him from. And I think he, he improved, he improved. He's improved since he played his senior year. Oh, not his senior year, his freshman year at Gonzaga. That one year he was there. Um, he's going to be good. He's going to add a different dynamic to the the Dunder team because they, if you look at the last year, they really didn't. They were playing Jalen Williams at center and he's small to be a five, but Chet's going to give them more flexibility in terms of spacing. Uh, I know a lot of their game is predicated on getting to with him with Jalen Williams, the wing Jalen Williams, the one that the select team. He's a slasher too. Shea's definitely a slasher, as everyone knows. Um, a lot of that team is uh, Josh Giddy. A lot of it, all these guys like to get to the rim. And Chet's ability to space the floor is going to give them a, a lot of opportunities to do that. It's going to give them the outer dimension on offense. And I think the most important thing is defensively. He's going to be able to alter shots at the rim and stuff. They should be in the top eight this year, this upcoming year. Just They were so close last year without Chet. Um, and another, game, another year for Jalen Williams. For both Jalen Williams, they should be in that mix to be in the playoffs this year, for sure. Yeah, that's definitely a team at least I'm going to be watching for this season. Because the brand of basketball they play, too, is pretty entertaining to watch just with their, their ball movement. 
I think just how young that team is too, and then some of the unique plays. I like Shea is a very unique driver. Like he isn't like a he isn't like the quickest guy, but he, he's super crafty, uses his body. Jalen Williams, very similar thing as well. Uh, so just adding someone like Chet in that mix when they probably missed, they've missed having some sort of big man who can roll to the rim, shoot threes, actually block shots on the other Jalen Williams, the center one where he just he takes charges. It's a little bit different. So yeah, that team definitely will be fun to watch. Definitely. You didn't interview this player, I believe, but Paulo Bancaro, he's, I think, he's probably the youngest player on this Team USA squad, and he's actually playing in the rotation for them as essentially like a backup, backup big, playing the five. He's obviously, he makes some young player type mistakes, just like decision-making. Sometimes he'll just, he doesn't finish completely, but he still shows some really good flashes with his ball handling and size and activity on defense, stuff like that. So what did you like from what you saw from Apollo at the camp? I think he, yeah, like you said, he was probably the youngest guy there. He had a, he seemed like he had the most in terms of just mistakes in terms of, I, I, I chop it up to like, he's just young. He, he's learning it right now. And this is a good opportunity for him to bring back with him to Orlando. He is being used as their pseudo five, backup five, like you said earlier. Steve Kerr said that after the Puerto Rico game that they were essentially going to use him in that role because the FIBA game is a lot different where they don't have they don't have a lot of tra- traditional five or if the other European teams do have a traditional five, those guys are more like spacers too. They can hit like Jonas Valens, Eunice and guys like that. They, they stretch the floor a little bit offensively. So Paolo is that they're going to use him in that try to pick it up transition. Steve Kerr mentioned that he was going to going to be used as a kind of a guy that brings the ball down. It's a luxury to have your five bring the ball down and stuff. But the problem is when he is at our five, they do get overmatched in terms of size and stuff. So that is something to watch out for as you guys watch FIBA play as, go, as it goes on. He had a couple mistakes too. I think last game against Spain, like he was dribbling. Guys were poking. He was trying to get to the lane and guys were just poking the ball away from him. I think he's all learn. He's a smart player, so he'll learn like things that he should and shouldn't do for this team, especially because you don't want to. You don't want to turn the ball. I don't know if you watched the game yesterday against Spain. They were up 10, and then they just, that leak went away in two minutes because they were just turning the ball over and not executing offensively. So he needs to be careful with what he does. But overall, it's good experience for him. And I know he was choosing between Italy and the U.S. He chose the U.S. I feel like it probably is better that he was with the U.S. in terms of just play, being around the environment of just really good players and coaches and staff and I know his, Jim Mosley, the Magic, he was coaching the select team. So it was nice to have that kind of keep building for him in terms of his team in Orlando. Yeah, I think he's going to be good. I wouldn't expect him to be like player of the game or anything this tournament, but he should be like a solid contributor for them and his career will be fine. Yeah, definitely. Just like his skill at that, like that size to the point where he could play the five in some of them is like really impressive. I want to talk a little bit about just like the team overall, because a lot of the talk on this team is just like, they're not as talented. Like how is like, for example, a guy like Bobby Portis, who's a role player pretty much in the NBA, like how is that guy like on this team? And you compare the talent level of this team to maybe like the, I guess like the 2019 World Cup team, where they have Jason Tatum, more name recognizable type guys. What's your response to that in terms of like, just like the lack of talent on this team and um, the type of success they might have in the FIBA this year? Guys like Bobby, I actually talked to Bobby Portis. Like guys like him, I think are essential to teams like this. Like I don't know if you noticed, but this whole roster right now was very egoless. 
just speculation on my part. There was a whole thing going on with Trey Young not being selected. You can read that into how you will, but I think a lot of it is just like Trey that has, is at that level where he has he already has an ego, and he's very ball dominant. And I feel like the team, maybe Grant Hill and the staff, was probably just thinking like, he's probably not a good fit for what we're trying to build here. All the guys there are very they're not at that level yet where they have that ego developed yet, right? They're all very young. So they just signed their ninth contract, the 200 mil contracts. So they're not at that level yet. And you know, that guy like Bobby Portis, he's not going to be, he plays for the Bucks, right? He has, he's a very, he's a role player. Essentially, he's not a star, but guys like that can help the team because he has, cha- he has championship pedigree. You want to title the Bucks so he can tell the younger, Anthony Edwards called him the elder, elder statesman of the team. He's only 20. 28, 26 yeah. or something. He's not even that young. He's not even that old. So he's going to be able to point to it in, just in terms of experience and stuff. Like you need guys like that. And just, I know in 2019, they had like Mason Plumley. You, like, you need guys like that kind of just aren't that good. They're good, but you, they're not like star level good. And they can point, point out to things about what the team should be doing, things to watch out for, build on that. And he's like a fan favorite. And Bobby Poor is like, the, during the game in Vegas against Puerto Rico, like fans were chanting his name because that's what they do in the Buck Stadium, right? They, he's, they're always chanting Bobby. And you need that on the team, right? In terms of, you don't want to stay. Remember the 2000, well, the year in Indiana, the World Cup, they had like Larry Brown as a coach and had like Marbury, Iverson, that Duncan, like that team was just not, it didn't gel together, right? So you need guys like this, like to help keep that, that element in terms of the chemistry and things together. And he, like him, there's some, everyone else is like young on the team. I feel like I'm trying to think, was there any like little older guys? I think he was it. Like Walker Kevler's not even playing much. It's cause I'm not really playing any traditional fives and stuff. But yeah, like in terms of the, I think the difference between this team and the 2019 team is talent wise, I'd say it's similar. Judging back from that 2019, that level of Tatum was not what he is now. Just chemistry, I think it's just a lot of the chemistry right now is is a lot better. Like even against Spain yesterday, like they just, they gave up that 10 point lead, but they were still very composed and they figured out a different way to to win the game. I felt if this game was in during for the 2019 roster, they would have lost. They just did not, they weren't gelling that great together. And they just, sometimes it's just a matter of just people on the team. It's not about, the talent level is sometimes it just matters about players knowing other players and how they play and just because they have such a short time span with each other it's hard to get in that level of playing together and functioning and at this team it seems like they already got that going and i don't know if you noticed but they seem like they're getting better every game so they have a good shot at winning gold this for the world cup yeah, definitely the chemistry and just like the ball movement overall with this team isn't really good. More of those kind of like swing possessions where someone gets like that initial advantage, kick out, and then now the ball's moving on the perimeter and they'll create some sort of good look for themselves. So in a way, maybe like the whoever, I guess Grant Hill and the people that put the team there, they realize they rather have a team that might not be as talented. They're egoless, like you said. They'll move the ball. And just like going back to the Trey Young thing, I guess schematically, like the way they're playing, because they're switching a ton. And if you look at the roster they have, they even like their guard, like Jalen Brunson, like he's not tall, he's strong. Like he, if a guy tries to post him up, they're going to have issues. Like I know Spain yesterday, they, they try to, because the U.S. is switching a lot of their actions. They try to take 
for example, like Santi Aldama, who's on Spain, they try to post up like a Halliburton or Brunson. It didn't really, that Spain really didn't get anything out of that just because those guys are a little bit on the bigger side, I would say. So it kind of allows them to not make that as big of a problem. And obviously Trey Young, he's not really going to fit on that type of scheme. And then I don't know if you saw the quote too about something about like him not getting over screens or something like that the last time he was playing for USA Basketball. Did you see that? Some coach called him he, out. He was there in 2019 yeah. with the select. Yeah. Um, Derek White got his spot, actually. Derek White was promoted from the select team to the national team. And obviously, you can tell. Derek White's an elite defender, right? And yeah. The team USA, like, they're looking for guys that can play on both sides of the ball. He's a great offensive player, but just even his offensive game, it doesn't fit well with what Team USA usually tries to do with moving about the ball, moving the ball. He's very ball dominant, and it even you can tell with even with the Hawks, he pisses off a lot of his teammates just like taking like he thinks he thinks he's like Steph Curry out there taking like forty footers and whatnot. And there's a reason why he's not. He gets a lot of hate, I guess you would say, like from the media and a lot of external fan bases that aren't Hawks. He just, he doesn't try on defense. I'm not trying to pick his game apart, but that's just, it's the truth. He doesn't play, he doesn't play hard on defense. Doesn't go, yeah, he was not going over screens in 2019. And that was a big issue in terms of, he was only there, select team was there for a couple of days, but I'm pretty sure his experience wasn't good. And the fact that another tip nugget that a lot of people probably don't realize is, Remember his old coach, Lord Pierce? He was actually oh, at the 29th. He was probably at the assistant. He was assistant yeah. coach of the national. And there, they had a, it was ugly the way they, he got fired from the Hawks. And there were things about him and Trey and him weren't getting along. It, it was a lot to do with Lloyd. Lloyd comes from the Popovich kind of tree. It's very disciplined. He called things out. Trey is very, <laughs> like, you don't really, he doesn't like to be called out. He, he do his whole life, like he's been their best player, had things catered for him. That was not that wasn't a good fit. And with Team USA, like with coaches, players, what whatever, like if you have a track record with them, they're gonna respect you more than someone that has no track record with them. Doesn't matter your talent level. I'm pretty sure Lord Pierce and then kind of Graham maybe asked Lloyd, Hey, what did you think about? And you know how things work, like in the office, even in the office with like politics and stuff, it's just how it is. Like if it doesn't work well, then if you're trying to get a recommendation from that guy, it's not going to be that. Yeah. Yeah. And he just definitely doesn't fit, even just on the court, like what, how Team USA wants to play. So it just doesn't seem a great fit. I guess overall, with the whole camp, with these first couple of games, have there been any, like, what have you kind of been your like, biggest takeaways from like this experience this, these past couple of weeks covering Team USA? This is like my third or fourth one now. I did 2018, 2019. This one. It's really hard to say because they're only together for four days. And I'm not traveling the team. I'm not going to Spain or Abu Dhabi or Philippines with them. So I don't know what they're going to look like in two weeks or two to three weeks from now. But it seemed like they all got along, honestly. A lot of them are just younger on the younger side. So they have a lot in common, too. That's what I did notice. Like, they all got along. I didn't see any, like, skirmishes or anything. There's, like, trash talking, but it was very mild. Even I think Edward was saying, like, yeah, we trash talk, too all fun and games or whatnot, he said. Yeah, I mean, it just seemed very, it was chill, really, most of it. They, Steve Kerr is not that coach that can actually yell either. He's not like, I thought was interested doing a little bit of yelling in 2019. It, it, it just feel very 
like they were all what's that term how oh, the term about like waiting for the, the game to go come to you in basketball terms during the Patient? game and stuff like kind of waiting for the game like yeah yeah like you're not forcing things as a player okay, so yeah that was the mindset of all the players there no one was trying to force things they would just play within what the coach asked them to do so i think this team has the talent and the capability not just the talent because they're not like tier one like tier a talent they're like tier b they they can win it they just have to stay the course i know these are one these are very hard to say because these are all single elimination games like anything can happen but if they play together if they just move the ball the three-point shot's not going to fall all the time but they just play together as long as their defenses have been what it was the last three games they should be fine honestly i think yeah they you saw the other day spain's probably consensus like the second best team in fiba and even though they did take the lead for a little bit in the third quarter i didn't feel like the usa ever kind of lost control whenever spain went on their run hit a couple threes or the USA turned the ball over, they bounced back. And like you said, 2019, that might have not been necessarily the case. So that uh, bodes well for this team going to the tournament. Moving off Team USA a little bit. So like, I know you do some coverage just like in LA area for like the Clippers, I think you mentioned before. So what are your plans this upcoming season just in regards to covering the NBA? A lot of my job is, for hoops, I but most of my job is the rumors. I'm on the rumors team, so everyone knows about rumors page on the hoop side. That's mostly my job, but my other part of my job is getting interviews with players, coaches, executives, and stuff like that. And I mostly try to go to games to talk to players from the away team, like a quick one-on-one, maybe four or five minutes. But So there's a thing in, with credentials in the NBA where you get tier one and tier two right now since COVID. Tier one has locker room access, tier two doesn't. Still trying to get, so I've been going to games mostly as tier two for now. Hopefully that changes to tier one. So once I get the tier one access, I can do what my job entails of getting interviews and stuff. That's what I'm hoping for this upcoming year. But yeah, I'm pretty in tune with all NBA news and stuff. That's, that's part of my job. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, where can people find your work? Yeah. So if you go on Hoopsite, my work's usually on Hoopsite, Sam Yip. My Twitter is Sam Yip underscore. There's two underscores after Sam Yip. But yeah, I just do kind of do interviews, do interviews and rumors or news and like some other like we have, sometimes we have like articles that are just based on like super random things, like the most, the highest paid. I think recently I worked on something called the highest paid players for whatever and the highest paid in terms of that year ranked and they weren't that good. Like they weren't star players and then made an article out of that and we made another article out of like star players that weren't paid up to up, up in that tier of what they should be getting paid. It's just articles like that, it's just trivial, a lot of trivial stuff, I, I feel like. But yeah, it's, you can find my work at Hoopside, as I said. So yeah, hopefully uh, people go on Hoop. I feel like everyone goes on Hoopside for people that like basketball anyway. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, once again, thank you for coming on, Sam. For our listeners, make sure to follow the podcast on Twitter at BeyondTheArc8 and make sure to follow and subscribe wherever you get your podcast and leave us a good rating. Thank you for listening. All right.